This is Chick Flick Fix. I'm Julia Scott. And I'm AJ Knox. We watch chick flicks and rom-coms and decide if they need fixing. Can we make them better or can we make them weird? If you want to support the fixin' and the weirdin', uh, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash chickflickfix. If you want to support The Incomparable Network in general, you can go to theincomparable.com to check out more about that. This week of Musical May, we're talking about Josie and the Pussycats from 2001. It's written and directed by Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfont, obviously based on the characters from the Archie comics. Uh, the Archie people were apparently like, oh, this has too many adult themes. We don't like it. Yeah. And then in 2017, they did Riverdale. So. so I've never seen Riverdale. I've seen like two episodes. It's a bit, it's just too much. It's a lot of people like it and I might too if I give it another shot, but I'm just <laughs> like, I see what you're doing here and I need something else. I would have preferred another, another season of Sabrina. Anyway, it stars Rachel Lee Cook, <laughs> Tara Reid, Rosario Dawson, Alan Cummings, Parker Posey, etc. Yeah. Uh, Kaplan and Alphonse have worked together on a bunch of fun movies. But for some reason, I want to bring up specifically that they wrote The Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas, the Flintstones prequel. Oh, my God. So they've done like stuff along these lines, like some teen stuff, some comedy. Yeah. Uh, in, in the control room scene, one of the scrolling marquee messages says, can't hardly wait was underrated, which is another one of their, <laughs> their f- films. Okay. Wait, I want to back up really quickly because the Flintstones movie is so good. And the prequel is not as great. Yeah. I'm sure if I went back and revisited it, it, it would have some problematic stuff in it. I'm sure. But like, I remember really, like, thinking it was a very fun way to translate that world. And they captured, like, the the magic of this bizarre anthropomorphic uh, dinosaur world. And that's the wrong word for the dinosaur. But you know what I mean. Like, where the dinosaurs are all the machines and everything. And, and it has this amazing... Uh, we talked in The Princess Bride about, like, making things feel like a set. And mm-hmm. this, like, really, really does it in the funnest way. Like, everything is a little bit cartoony. Yeah. And there's a ton of puns. There's so many puns in that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we can uh, maybe do a special episode if, if the people want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are, somebody counted, there are about 75 product placements from different companies in this movie. Or, like, 75 companies, I should say. There are a lot more placements. But none of them were apparently actually paid. Oh, that makes me feel better. Like, they just got clearance for them? Yeah. Which, yeah, like, it's it's fun that they did that. Uh, apparently, Beyonce, Aliyah, and Lisa Left Eye Lopez all auditioned for this. I think all to be Val. Oh, interesting. Uh, Lisa Lopez really, really wanted it. Beyonce was, according to Harry Elfont, shy and quiet. <laughs> and Aliyah was more serious and thoughtful, which they felt wasn't quite right for this film. Yeah, I can't really picture... I could picture Beyonce doing it because it's, it's a similar kind of, you know, it's a, you're a music star. Like, I mean, they all are, but like, it has that like A-list quality to it. I don't know. After Seth Green started Robot Chicken, uh, a few years after this, he had a lot of the co-stars from this movie on as voice actors. And I don't know if like specifically this movie is how he got to know all of them, but I like to think it is just because it's funny. Yeah, I think Breck and Meyer is a very recurring voice on Robot Chicken. Mm-hmm. So you had not seen this before. I had not seen this movie. I 
until it got to the end of the movie where the villains are like unmasked and the concert with the ears. I was like, I have seen this part. Jenna absolutely loves this movie. So I'm sure uh. I've just absorbed bits of it through her watching it while I'm tangentially around somewhere. Yeah, I I love this movie. It's been a while since I saw it, but uh, I've seen it a bunch of times. It's like it's exactly my genre of silly, goofy, and also there's uh oh there's montages. I didn't even think of there that. There are so many montages. I was like, oh, as I was watching it, I literally thought, oh, Julia probably loves this movie. <laughs> but also like fun musical numbers, mm-hmm. some very silly sort of you know fourth wall dorkiness jenna was straight up singing the songs i was too (laughs) i like this is one of those movies where i will sometimes like i just you know put the soundtrack in my uh my ipod at the time uh in my spotify i i go through periods where i will play and sing backdoor lover a lot just because it it makes me laugh oh my god that whole opening scene (laughs) With all the cameos. Oh, yeah. And I was like, wait, back to her lover. Are they talking about butt sex? I'm like, oh, yeah. I can't believe they did that in an Archie Comics property. <laughs> yeah. And oh, it's man. just because it's 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 so perfect. Uh, okay. What is this movie about, AJ? For every band, there is a moment when they know they have made it. For one band... This is not that moment. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You're a great crowd. Okay, girls, we need the lane now. And your shoes. They were three small-town girls with big-time dreams. Who's a rock star? I am. Who wanted to share their music with the world. We can't sit around here waiting for it to happen. We are musicians. We should be out there playing music. We do play. Nobody believed in them. You know, you suck. (laughs) But they believed in themselves. We're special. All right. So Josie and the Pussycats is... Yeah, as we mentioned, the Archie com based on the Archie Comics characters who also exist in an old cartoon. And it starts off, we are in an airplane run tarmac, a tarmac. That's what it's called. I had to figure out the word for it. Um, we're on a tarmac. There's a bunch of screaming fans who are all talking about how excited they are, uh, for du jour, which of course means of the day. Which I'm like, that's such a good, and it's such a good name for a boy band. Mm-hmm. So like, ah, oh, they nailed it. And it is, it is a lot of fun to say, du jour means family. And then you go and family means no one gets left behind or, you know, whatever. Du jour means hygiene. It's just, it's funny. <laughs> uh, oh my God. Um, but yeah, so, uh, du jour shows up and it is, okay, wait, I want to make sure I, I'm getting, cause there's the fourth guy. I can never remember his name. Les? No, the the actor, the, the actual actor's name. Oh. So DuJour is made up of Donald Faison, who people would probably know from Clueless or Scrubs, uh, Seth Green, Brecken Meyer of also Clueless fame, and then where's the other guy? <laughs> There's like the fourth guy who is like the one who survives. So I'm like, nobody knows who that is. I don't know. Um, sorry, fourth guy. Uh, but 
He's Alex Martin is the, the Alex horse guy, Martin who was also in Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah, he looks familiar. He's like a, you know, always a secondary character type of guy. So they come, they do this concert on the tarmac. It's they're singing Backdoor Lover. Uh, fans are screaming and they head into their Target plane, which is all like decked out in Target uh, logos and swag and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, they proceed to instantly like get in a fight. Like everyone's fighting. Everyone's at each other's throats. Like, oh, there's also like a lot of like black voice happening, which is the one thing that I feel kind of like was a thing in the late 90s, early 2000s from like white boy bands, like white people in boy bands. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Where it just meant like, you know, I'm the bad boy. Yeah. And I'm, like, I'm street. I'm, yeah. I'm legit. I'm real. Whatever. So that was like one little cringy, like, ooh, this is a product of its time. But I, I mean, also, like, you're supposed to, you're supposed I say, to as someone them. who saw it at the time, well, you're just supposed to think it's dorky that they're talking like, yes. hey, we're super cool. So that's something, at least. Like, it's not, it's not. One of the things you're meant to emulate. Correct. Yes. Good point. Very good point. So they're all in the the uh, the plane. They're arguing. Uh, Alan Cumming is their manager. He is uh, trying to maintain the peace. And you have to imagine that there's th- that is the job of some of these like managers and PR peoples for 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 boy bands and things. It's just to like stop people from getting into petty arguments all the time. And it's got to be freaking exhausting. <laughs> A lot, a lot of like ego massaging and babysitting. And uh, anyway, so they, at one point, is it Seth Green is listening? It was a a handful of days ago that I watched it. Was it Seth Green who's like listening to something? He's like, hey, something sounds weird on this. No, it's, it's uh, Les, the the very friendly (laughs) fourth member. That's right. So he's heard a weird track on their. Yeah, on their, on their album or on their record or CD or whatever. So they give it to Alan Cumming to listen to. And he's like, oh. Basically, he's like, oh, they figured me out. So he <laughs> jumps off the plane with a parachute and leaves the plane to crash. He goes up to the cockpit and tells the pilot, take the Chevy to the levee, which is like yes. such a stupid reference, but kind of funny. Dark, but... Very dark. Uh I actually did not even make that connection that that is a song about Buddy Holly. Oof. But also several of the people in this film were in the film American Pie, so... Oh, I didn't rec- I didn't realize that. Yeah, I guess that makes yeah. True. This is this is a deep movie. There are a lot of layers here. There are. Um so he he gives them <laughs> code buddy Holly. They go down. Um he lands right outside of Riverdale and heads into town. So he's looking for like a replacement band. We also meet uh Josie. Well, they're just called the Pussycats. But it's um Josie, Melody and Val. And they're in a band. Uh, he's looking for a, uh, Wyatt, uh, Alan Cumming is looking for a replacement and he goes to a record store. He's like, Hey, I got a new single. Uh, you got, it's, it's the last song from DuJour. You gotta listen to it or you gotta play it here. And I'm, and so he's like testing out his, this thing. And so they play the DJ at the record store. And this made me feel so old. Like, it, just just a record store. Like, did you feel old looking at that? No, not really. Uh, it was more... Because this movie is very, like, fixed 
in a very, very specific time. Both like yeah, late nineties, early two thousand. I was like, because I was like those incredibly low, low rise jeans and then tiny little tops. There's like a discourse going on right now because some people are talking about low rise jeans coming back, but probably like low rise compared to the mom jeans that are a thing now. Yeah, and this whole generation of like the older ish millennials who are like, no, nope. I refuse because we already did that. But also like somebody pointed out and I can't remember who, but I like the way they phrased it. Like in, in that fashion, your body was the fashion because the clothes are really simple and you just like, you have to have a very specific body type to look good in the crotch dusters and the little bandana tops. Uh, So like that places it. I I do miss the crotch dusters. Yeah. Like they're just above the, but like you know, where we're like, okay, everybody has to wax to wear the most fashionable yeah. of those pants. Um, but then there's also other stuff like a few people have cell phones, but this movie doesn't work if people have cell phones, right? Because there's so much that's like predicated on like separating people and mm-hmm. keeping information away. But at the same time, like a lot of this would translate to just like social media and influencers, right? That's what I kept thinking because they have all this. You know, I I like the way they joke about like you know, pink is the new orange. No wait, orange is the new blue. No wait, I hate these old shoes. Also, I want to because they're really like playing with that how quickly trends shift mm-hmm. and how we just kind of accept that like all right now it's all about you know um, cottage core target dresses or whatever and how we're being sold stuff through our entertainment so easily. Yeah, but like the so, so again, both like the fashion. Ver- I do miss my weird little um, flippy bob though. I think uh, Rich Lee Cook looks very cute in that. But, like, so much of this fashion, because there are movies sort of from this time period that could, like, parts of it don't look as, like, brutally 2001, you know? Mm -hmm. And this really does. But, yeah, like, parts of it are completely translatable. You could just, like, shift it over. They'd wear slightly different jeans. And parts of it really require exactly that time of technology. Yeah, yeah. And and I do, as you mentioned, the whole social media side of it too. feel like as I was watching, I was like, oh, this movie is ahead of its time in a way I had no idea about. Mm-hmm. Particularly if you've seen like the the social dilemma, that documentary slash on Netflix. Yeah. Warning film. It. I was just I was kind of blown away the whole time. This is so far before social media, but it is like nailing exactly what social media does and how we respond to it so quickly. Well, I think it's also fun because we we think, I think, of social media as things like Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. But I mean, like, LiveJournal was a social medium because it had a comment function that was part of the thing. Um, It's just that things are, I mean, not everyone used all those things. You know, they were fairly concentrated. But it's just, it's funny to think also, like, how would this story look Today, if you think about like in 2001, Oprah could clear a bookstore, you know, with one recommendation. Oh, right. And nowadays there are so many people who can make a product sell out overnight, who can, you know, make or break uh, a company or a brand and who can start their own small brands. And it would just be really interesting to have something that has kind of the same goofy relationship to advertising and to influence and brands yeah uh, but with with today's because because there are so many channels and so many people it would be harder to 
sort of get everyone because not everyone listens to the radio. So you wouldn't be able to make sure that all the songs on the radio have the influence on them. Yeah. And even with Spotify or whatever, like it would be hard to make sure that it's everywhere because there are so many channels that you probably don't have total overlap to be able to reach all the people. Oh, man. Yeah. As you were saying that, too, I was like, I need to go and look if LiveJournal is still a thing. And it is. It was It was bought by the Russians. Oh, was it? Yeah. A Russian company bought it and because it existed – uh, it was pretty big in in Russia before that as well, um, and they joke that it's Jevoy uh, Journal, which means live journal, but it has two of the same weird uh, letters that look like bugs. Uh, so it's ZZ, like instead of LJ. And then I'm pretty sure that a Russian company bought it, and it's vaguely active, but not very active in in the West. That's Actually, so I, this knowledge is from like five years ago, so I don't know if that's still as true. <laughs> Oh, man. This is like... Knowledge on the internet is, you know, it's uh, definitely has a best before. Yeah. All right. So, live journal tangent aside. Um, so, yeah. So, he he's... We, in, meet, we meet the pussycats. <laughs> we meet the pussycats. We also meet uh, or are, are officially introduced to the idea that uh, Wyatt is, uh, has subliminal messaging implanted into the music that he's creating um, or managing or whatever you want to call it. He plays it in the record store, and the DJ is like, "We got the last single from from Dujour, the late great Dujour, the late great Dujour, blah blah blah." Like, here we go, and here in this record store, I'm like, oh, how sad! For how sad for Dujour. And then, as everyone's listening to it, they're like running up to the listening the listening booths or listening decks. Remember those? Which is like, you, why would you do that if it's already it's over on, the speakers? I know, silly. But it also like reminded me that that was a thing that we used to do. Mm-hmm. Just throw gross headphones on ourselves. I, and I used to do that all the time. Anyway, so, uh, everyone in the record store starts like getting ideas to, to buy things and to have new favorite things. And, uh, one guy's like, I'm going to, I think I need a drink. It's like, you don't drink. He's like, I still want one, you know? And so there's like, I'm going to start. What I think is also really interesting. Again, we get into the sort of sociology here of of consumption because what they're doing is not just like buy this thing it's this thing that you bought eight minutes ago is now wrong right because it's like it's the continuous consumption and what's interesting is all like it's not just like you need another pair of pink shoes it's like your pink shoes are stupid you need orange shoes right now. like because what there you know there's the whole theory about like what advertising does to you it is it creates a sort of you know, an inferiority or a lack or a nervousness. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, people say that it's better rather than say, uh, drink Coke, for instance, you should have an ad that says thirsty drink Coke right. because your brain is like, I am thirsty. Oh, that's, that's a thing that I could be. And I need to fulfill that need. And like, it's not, it's not, you know, a perfect science and everything, but what you're doing is very explicitly it's that playing with like trends need to shift mm-hmm. for companies to make a profit because otherwise you can just hang on to your, you know, pink t-shirt or orange t-shirt until it might need mending and then you might even mend it. But if it's like that thing is now bad, yeah. you know, so I, th- I think, I think it's, it's, it's fun that they don't just say buy the thing. They say, that other thing is trash. You mm-hmm. need this new thing. Yeah. I um, I also found it very timely that I was listening to this uh, or watching this movie 
the same week that I started a job at an advertising agency. <laughs> you were like, I have so many ideas. I know how to manipulate the masses. Oh, and to your point, too, it's not just about, like, buying new things or, like, things going out of style. It's, like, lifestyle changes, too. And mm-hmm. so they're, like, manipulating people into lifestyle choices, which is really interesting because uh, that felt very social media. So uh, Wyatt recruits uh, the Pussycats and uh, says, I'm going to sign you guys. Uh, you guys are going to have a major record label. A- any questions? And they're like, no, let's do it. So he also renames them. They get a big billboard with Josie in the front. It's Josie and the Pussycats. Uh, and he's like, well, you're the lead singer, so they need you need somebody. And so that instantly is like, ooh, this is, I knew it. I was like, this is going to come back. I also love when there are the when they're on the airplane on the way to New York, mm-hmm. where uh, Missy Pilot's sister Alexander gets the question, "Why are you even here?" And she says, "Because I was in the comic book." And he says, "What?" And she says, "Nothing." Nothing. Yeah. It's just it's I'm a dork for that kind of thing. It's just like it's it's stupid, and I love it. Yeah, I would love to see like. Uh, even like a Deadpoolier version of Josie and the Pussycats, not in the violence way, but in just like the sheer, like we exist in a fake world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's so many. There's some things that are just like tons of fun references that work, even if you don't know them. Like when Alan Cummings says, "Most people have to wait until their tenth high school reunion oh, to yeah. get and- to feel superior." Mm-hmm. Reference to Romeo and Michelle, which came out a few years earlier. But there's also these, like, explicit things, you know, when they're like, we've discovered that subliminal messaging in movies is more effective. And you get, like, not just Josie and the Pussycats is the best movie ever, but also Join the Army, which reminded me of that stupid Simpsons episode of uh, Yvonne et Niage, you know, the Join the Navy Boy Band. Yeah. But it's just like, it's, 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 yeah, it could, it could be even more sort of riffy and self- Like winking, like self-aware, Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, like, my summary is not doing the weirdness of this movie justice. Like, just, like, the style and tone. Even, like, the, it's got, like, wacky sound effects sometimes on stuff flies off screen. It's like, Pew! and it's like, okay. It, like, it definitely is, leans in occasionally to its comic book roots. Uh, anyway, so, Ooh, um. Wait, okay, wait. I, should I just save this for the weirder? Cause suddenly I was like, what if this was made not like Deadpool, but like, uh scott pilgrim oh against yeah the world yeah had like the biff and like the anyway no that's that's a really good uh that's a really good point though because that is that is a movie that has a manages to blend like comic book because of the source material and video game and like mm-hmm. music video all into one that is a rom-com too but yeah, no, this, this movie definitely has like a style and an yes. idea. Like you can tell, like somebody was, somebody had a lot of fun thinking of this movie and then parts of it are like differently successful. Mm-hmm. But like there's, there's kind of, I feel like there's more here than just, uh, hey, let's make a comic book. Yeah. Movie. Uh, so yeah. So then we also meet the, uh, CEO of the record company, Parker Posey. Uh, and she is meeting with all these government you know, world global leaders and she takes them down to her underground bond lair, which is basically like wall street for trends is the way I thought of it. And it basically explains her plan that the, that she is and, and the record, the music industry has been working with the U S government 
to put subliminal messaging into music to brainwash teenagers into buying things because teenagers have all this extra money from chores and stuff. And so then they want to make them spend it. And they're also more easily manipulated because their tastes aren't set yet and they're more insecure. Yes. And also they, they're, they want to make them sort of passive submissive citizens too. Yeah. And then in a bit of like the dark, darkness of this movie it's when musicians find out about the plan they're oft in dramatic ways like plane crashes or drug overdoses or things like that we see shots of elvis and yeah which i'm like oh geez that's there's like a couple moments where i'm like man this is a little real for this goofy (laughs) movie we we so we're introduced to the, the the evil plot the very like James Bondy plot. Fiona basically says uh, that's um sorry that's Parker Posey. Uh, Fiona basically tells Wyatt that he has to off Val and Melody because they're starting to kind of get suspicious because Josie's getting all the attention. And sky they skyrocketed to the top of the charts in a very fun montage scene. With their very first single. And they're like, isn't it a little suspicious that this all, this all happened in a week? And he picks up his phone as if yeah. to, to like call the call in the hit or whatever. And they're like, no. And they just start screaming. Yeah. And what's, this is, again, something that's funny because I think at this time, things didn't necessarily go this fast. But even if they did, like, you wouldn't know it. Whereas nowadays, you really could just like, hey, I made a TikTok and you and have, have offers then for TV shows TV shows and record deals and everything. So they, they skyrocket really fast. And I, I will say that is a great montage of them. There's a, like two great montages kind of in a row of them like becoming the band, getting all like made over. And then the rising in the charts, like physically, like on the actual chart. Climbing a model of the – yeah, there, there's some fun visual stuff. And I also – I read that they all went to band camp basically to learn how to play mm-hmm. instruments, but they didn't actually get good enough. To actually play them. Well, I mean, you wouldn't. It yeah, just has to true. look somewhat convincing. Yeah. Like, hold hold the drumsticks the correct direction or whatever. Yeah. And the thing we also haven't touched on, I'm kind of all over the place on this movie. Uh, the thing we haven't touched on with that, too, is um, Tara Reed's character is just really dense. But she, it's, but so it's very charming yeah. and people don't make fun of her. Yeah. Because we, we, you get a lot of characters like this, but she's just so, I don't know, she's just so unoffensively childlike yeah and and people don't take advantage of it and she doesn't like it i mean she kind of gets in scrapes because she uh causes a car crash Mm -hmm. she's just very very innocent and i appreciate that she is and that they let her stay that way yeah i could see a version of this script probably like an earlier draft where she was like a baby's the wrong way to describe it but like you know that trend in the Mm-hmm. Like early two thousands, late nineties of like I'm well, a little she'd be a dum dum. Yeah. But I'm glad they didn't like go that route with it. And then Val is like the like cool collected one and Josie is the Whoa, this is also like I don't know. She's the kind of bashfully, like reluctant to stardom kind of one. And she also the other thing we didn't mention is she does have a love interest who is um you know, just a guy from her town. And I didn't recognize him from Archie Comics. I think he's just a dude. I think that character is in the comics. Is he? He's sort of like, kind. I want to say like he did some like roadie type stuff and he yeah. has a love interest for for Josie. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they all have their own kind of distinct personalities too, but when Val and Melody kind of start to hone in on, oh, something's going on, there's like cryptic messages left in there in, in Melody's, uh, bathroom while she's taking a shower in her McDonald's shower. Uh, it says like, don't trust the music or something. And then she puts hearts over the eyes. She's like, oh, that's better. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so Wyatt sends Valerie and Mel to, or Melody to, uh, TRL, Total Request Live, for those of you who are too young to remember. Again, very like yeah. document of its time. Yeah. The greatest after school television show of all time. They go to, they're, they're going to make an appearance on TRL without Josie. And Josie's like, no, it's totally fine. Like you guys do it. Like we're all part of the band. Like we're good. And they get there and there's a black guy there and he's like, hi, I'm Carson Daly. And they're like, no, you're not Carson Daly. That's, not a thing (laughs) and then it comes out that he's just like does bad impressions i mean some of them are pretty good but like his shtick is doing bad impressions but also then trying to kill them (laughs) along with actual carson daly who i i guess the i think it's aries spears is the is the guy there i think i think he was on like was he on mad tv TV. yeah that's what it is they start to attack the women, and I guess it is implied, like, TRL and MTV and Carson Daly are just, like, part of this global conspiracy to off musicians when they find out about the the plot. Yeah, that's... I just love that, like, I just love that they let that happen. And it's so stupid as a plot point. Like, yes! If you've sent them to the fake set, you wouldn't need Carson Daly to be right. there. You could just send Hitmen. You wouldn't even need to take them to the fake set right. if you want them dead. I know, uh, but I love it. It's like, yes, this makes perfect sense. This is how yeah. we're gonna do this. Yeah, and uh, I, I just, I love it. I love it when um, celebrities get to play demented versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. We've seen it a handful of times here, and yeah, it's fun to see Carson Daly just be an evil monster. They make it out alive because these guys are idiots. But while they're there being attacked, uh, Wyatt gives Josie us. Uh, sample of the new single but it has a subliminal message that tells her she needs to pursue a solo career yeah so then she like gets in a big fight with the other pussycats and she realizes then they discovered that there's like an audio track mixed into their song that makes it subliminal this all is moving so fast uh mega records the record company has this like you're going to do this giant concert in a huge stadium. We're going to give everyone electronic cat ears, but then we're also going to stream it around the world in 2001. I was like, what would the quality of that live stream have been like? I mean, you can see a tiny bit of it. It's, it's like just that, like, like very two laggy. frames a second. <laughs> so the idea is like everyone will get these headphone cat ears to wear and you have to buy those, but then that will also subliminally make you. So it's this like world domination plan. The, the plan is to have Josie do it alone, but the other pussycats are like, no, we're going to do it. And they get threatened. They're basically all being like held hostage to do this concert. And then as it's like, okay, we're not going to be able to do the concert. There's a car that's going to blow up. You know, it all gets wacky. Dijour shows back up. Basically, the one 
the 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 D-list member of Dijour uh and the rest of the band in full body casts so that they could just have extras <laughs> do that probably yes um including the monkey that they had in a little monkey cast so it turns out Dijour survived because they managed to uh land the plane in the middle of a Metallica concert and the only reason they survived is cuz he knew the lyrics to one of their songs and i'm just like what a weird with like a weird knock against Metallica fans? I think it's more that Metallica fans don't like pop. pop. Yeah. Movies. So they they all get in a huge fight. Uh the machine that is uh meant to like subliminate everybody gets broken that plays one of the subliminal messages that's gonna be broadcast, which is Fiona just basically asking everyone to like her. <laughs> And wanting to be popular, which is, like, kind of sad. And then she's like, well, yeah, in high school, I was kind of a loser. I had a lisp. And then Wyatt also says that I also was an outcast in high school. And they realized they went to the same high school together. Uh, and they start to reveal their actual, like, uh, the the things that made them undesirable or unpopular. Uh, so his albinism, you um, my Kleenex. it was very Wash suddenly seen lipstick away. And okay. At one point he, Alan Cumming wipes the makeup off his face to reveal his very pale skin. And it's the same thing they did in the old Batman, uh, with Jack Nicholson, where it's, you have white makeup on the thing. So if you're wearing, if you're like wearing quote unquote skin color makeup, and you're wiping mm-hmm. it off, you just like wipe white makeup on you and like that's the color of my real skin. <laughs> and it's still I don't know why that is like one of those movie tricks where I'm like, oh, that was so cool. I don't know why <laughs> it's so dumb. It's like not even a, it's not like everyone knows how they do it. But for whatever reason, it gets me every time. So uh they realize that they were both outcasts at their school and they recognize each other finally and they immediately fall in love the government comes in and throws them under the bus because, well, of course, we know the U.S. government is involved in this. And that's when they do the whole, like, yeah, we're not going to use music anymore because movies are way more effective. Uh, and that's when you get the subliminal messages in the movie. Uh, then they go up, Josie and the Pussycats go up and they do their concert. It goes great, but it starts off with Josie telling everyone to take their ears off <laughs> and, like, just listen to their music. They're like, we're going to play you a new song. I'm like, hey, when did you have time to to rehearse because you guys all just came from crazy situations. Uh, anyway, they play one of their songs that the audience doesn't know. Uh, the audience takes a minute. It's very quiet. And then they start to actually enjoy the music for what it is, which is just music. And then uh, the boyfriend is getting crowd surfed and he's like, Jose, I know it's a giant concert with millions of people, but I love you. And she's like, I love you too. And he runs up on stage and they smooch. In a very fun scene where they're, like, smooching way too long. And then, like, Val comes up. They're, like, vamping. And Val comes up and she's like, uh, I'm just vamping here on this base. Can you, uh, can you go? <laughs> and then he runs off stage. They finish their concert. And, yeah, that's it. It's, like, the concert, it, of course, it's, like, a huge, massive concert. There's, they're great. And that's the end of the movie. Very fun. <laughs> yeah. So... I mean, the, I feel like there, it, there's not that much point in talking about, like, the characters or the villains or anything. Because they're all just, like, they're all just fun little concepts. Yeah, and, right? they're, and they're cartoon characters. They're all cartoon characters. 
I love Parker Posey. Yeah, I love I basically I, I love everyone in this movie just doing what they're doing in this movie. Like yeah. they're just so right and it's so stupid, which is not always always the case. I think my my main issue with how some of the characters are is where you get to like like oh no, he's you know, he's albino and he has a gut and that's yeah. like I I wish there was a tiny and like oh she has a lisp. What I wish is there that there had been like a tiny bit more of like complexity there of like where where it's like you know you 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 made your way to the top of all this like you could have I don't mean that you have to fix your teeth but like the thing that you're insecure about doesn't necessarily matter so it's like you forgot to actually like you know grow as a person because right. you were so single mindedly focused on world domination and making everyone your friend yeah instead of like so this is you know yeah i i do also think like the the whole and this is a problem like the bond movies have too of like all their villains have some kind of deformity right Mm -hmm. and it's and and so like that as a trope when it's revealed that like oh they were unattractive for various reasons they had bad teeth or they had a gut or they were albino or, or were they you know whatever that is the point where it's like, uh, I, I wanted a different reason for them to be unpopular or just that they like, I didn't think, I don't think that you even needed to have all like the, like the physical, you know, quote unquote unattractiveness as part of it at all. Like we could have, mm-hmm. it, it makes for some, you know, arguably funny visual jokes as they are kind of removing their disguises. But, um, yeah, that that was the scene that that really kind of stood out. Is like, oh, this feels a little not great, ableist, and not. Yeah, great. no, the, the villains with some sort of you know deformity is it's not a great trope. No, and, you know sometimes it's also like a lot of people have you know either deformities or have just stuff wrong with them, or they're bullied, or they're miserable, mm-hmm. and they don't become the Unabomber. You know, like, it's yeah. just, like, you can have a villain they usually who's just, like, don't. a bad person. They usually become better people than the the idiots <laughs> who bully I them. I mean, not necessarily, but, like, you can, you you could have, you can have villains who are just like, hey, they're, they're buttholes, or just, like, mm-hmm. they can be super insecure, and you could have made a really interesting thing of, like, instead of, I mean, you could just have been like, well, you know, she spent all this time, like, you know, uh, going to the gym and getting everything fixed and didn't realize that she didn't need to try to manipulate people anymore. Yeah. She could have spent that time becoming an interesting person. You know, like just th- that could have been. So do you do you have a favorite part? Um, I will say uh, I really like the montages. <laughs> I, <laughs> they're fun. I really like the one where they're getting made over and they're like singing while they're doing it. Like that was really fun. And the concert was great. I, I'm I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say the montages. They were just, I, and when I think of this movie now, having seen it all the way through, the thing that, the visual that stands out to me is like them climbing the charts. So mm-hmm. it's going to be the montages. What about you? I mean, basically, same. <laughs> I also... Simple pleasures. I also just like them hanging out in the beginning. Like, yeah. you know, they live in this house and they're splitting a pack of ramen three ways yeah it's just like i like that and where the the intro is this like massive sort of music video but then it's just them in a bowling alley mm-hmm. yeah that like there's some great little bits like that of like this struggling up and coming band yeah yeah so i mean you 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 
kind of went over to the end because I think like it's it's a cute, silly ending. It's like very big and bombastic. And then I will always love bloopers over credits. Yep. I just do. I can't help it. The dancing, like where they have the extras are dancing mm-hmm. for a while before you get to the bloopers. It's just it's cute. It's funny. It's cheesy. I like it. There's certain movies where like you're like watching the credits. And you're like this. I as soon as the credits started, I was like, this better have blooper reel. <laughs> like it's that kind of movie that feels like a blooper reel should come after it. Mm-hmm. Or at least the sort of dancing, everybody's having fun. Right. Stuff. Another right. montage, basically. Yeah. So this is where it gets interesting. On Rotten Tomatoes, this has a 53% fresh rating from critics and a 52% fresh rating from audiences. Whoa, that seems low for audiences. It has a 5.4 on IMDb. So this is one of those movies that like didn't do great at the beginning and then has become sort of like a cult classic very much like over time and had a resurgence Mm -hmm. because people basically of our generation were like you know what this was a pretty good movie like you know it's funny it's stupid it's silly it had good music it had a message it knows what it is yeah so i think this is one of those like sort of rediscovered cult cult classics what would you give this out of uh out of 10 leopard headbands 10 leopard headbands um the the two things that kind of come to mind for me when i think about this movie is a i think like the message it has is not revolutionary in any way shape or form Mm -hmm. there are times in which i feel like the movie thinks that its message is revolutionary Mm, okay and i it's like those moments where it's like trying to do a lesson where i'm like we don't need a lesson right now like we get it we get it it's kind of like the kind of influencers who suddenly like discover like they columbus say body positivity yeah and they're like i'm the only one telling young women to like themselves and yeah like, no you're not it, it's great that you're here but you're not you know yeah the the version of that that i like is like there's a guy who um has struggled a, a kind of a relatively well-known tiktoker instagrammer who has struggled with um and i i'm gonna blank out his name struggle with uh body image and, and eating disorders and his entire TikTok is basically like five five to ten second reminders like, hey, have you eaten anything today? Coffee's not a meal. And it's just like, <laughs> the, but like, and that's all it is. And I'm like, that I kind of like, because you're just like, I know, like, like, he's like, here's my identity, like my social media or identity. Or people who are like, you know, hey, 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 uh, unclench your jaw. Yeah. All right. Bye. <laughs> I follow, I, I have like zero followers and I follow very few people on Twitter. But I do follow uh, a reminder to drink water. <laughs> and it's like a that's Twitter bot good. that's just like, hey, have you taken a drink of water yet? But yeah, I'd say the the message the message stuff got a little like, okay, I get it. And then But it I feel like that kind of feels right also, like if you think about the Archie comics. Yeah, that does feel like very it Archie. It is very like yeah. hey, we we're gonna reiterate the moral of the story in the last yeah. frame before you flip to the next, you know. But I love, like, the visual design of the movie's great. Like, all the product placement everywhere is so funny. Um, the McDonald's shower is just the weirdest. Like, that to me is the weirdest and she one. has a little French fry loofah. Yes. The McDonald's shower with French fry loofah is, like, the weirdest piece of product placement. You know, faux product placement in this movie. Um, and that product placement would make much more sense today when people take selfies in their hotel rooms. Because yeah. it's like, why do you need to influence the stars? Yeah. But to me, to me, the joke of like the McDonald's shower is like the designers were like, 
what should we put a McDonald's logo on? We can't, we shouldn't put it on anything food related. So like, just put it on like the, the one place where you don't eat is the shower. Mm, probably. What, you, you don't do, you don't do shower whoppers? No, I don't do shower, uh, shower, no shower max. Do, do you know what we call them in Europe? <laughs> a shower royale. <laughs> shower royale. <laughs> um, With cheese. Uh, so, and so all that to say, I think the humor is really good. I think it's, I want it to be just a hair wackier. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's like a couple things that get a little like after school specialty about it. So I'm going to say, I'm going to give it an eight. I really liked it. I think it's a lot of fun and the music is great. And the, the art design is, is so fun and all the cameos. What about you? I thought like when you were like talking about it like that, I thought you were going to be like a solid seven because I also would give it an eight. All right. Uh, and because it's just like, it makes me happy. Yeah. And like you were saying before, like it knows what it is. It mm-hmm. does not really like, and again, even when it's being kind of preachy, it's even doing that in a kind of self-aware way. Yes. Like it, it knows that this is basically a very glittery episode of Degrassi, you know, like it's just, <laughs> it's very <laughs> glittery Degrassi. That should just be the name I of just, it. <laughs> it just it makes me really happy it's a yeah. good movie the soundtrack is good again most of it holds up yeah 20 years later like because the thing is people would make the weird fat jokes or lispy jokes today too still wouldn't be totally cool but it's not you know yeah there's a tiny bit of joking about one of the du jour fans being like i just love them like brothers we're like but that isn't necessarily even a gay joke it's right that he's like i have to, i have to show that i'm not a girl it's it's a little weird but it's not as bad as it definitely could have been right i think that kid ends up in shameless i think he's one of fiona's love interests in shameless that's like that's what i know him from i know he's done a bunch of other stuff too he's also the son in war of the worlds anyway (laughs) yeah no i i i give it an eight definitely a solid fun happy eight so can this movie be fixed does it need fixing because you, you seem to want it more wacky, which I totally agree with. But I also want some, like, reality, some everyday. Because mm-hmm. I, I would love more of the everyday in the beginning. Like like you were saying, like the struggling band yeah. and them being friends. Because they do make it very clear. Like, they're best friends. They're really together. But I kind of want to get to see more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, And then I would like some kind of sort of denouement after the concert of like what happens when you explode like that like a does the fame stick when it was all constructed and weird and also like okay so if if it doesn't stick stick and they go back to riverdale what happens then do they Mm -hmm. get any of the money from the like just like what happens do they go back to having to wash cars and split ramen just like i just in my head i think it's really interesting to consider like okay this was a really bizarre situation but then what yeah yeah how how would you make this movie better? I think for me the the fix is adjusting the motiva- motivations for the villains and as we mm-hmm. discussed and also yeah this movie feels like kind of a uh walking a a, a weird tightrope between something like Austin Powers and something like you yeah. know can't hardly wait right where it's like it's it's not in the full sh- you know, campy, goofy, you know, jokey realm. And it's not fully in the, like, teen comedy realm either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also feel like Spice World fits into the same, very similar category. Yes. 
what, what what occurred to me also when you said can't hardly wait this time of all the times we've mentioned it on right. on this episode it's also like it's not fully clear how old they are which also is very right. interesting like a good part of the story is knowing like are they you know 18 19 or are they 22 23 which is not a huge difference but still like does something like if they've all been holding down three or four jobs right and living together for five years or have they like did they just, they grad, just graduate you know? high school and yeah they're and making it work so um, that would be fun to yeah so for me i just i kind of want it to lean one way or the other and I, my preference would be a little more into the i mean you've already got like the secret cabal of government agencies who are trying to take over the world with you know subliminal messaging and pop music so like there's that sort of stuff lean into the scooby-doo yeah moment. yeah um the scooby like because there were a lot of remakes around this time, too, that, like, really went kind of wacky, like Scooby-Doo and Scar- Starsky and Hutch and got a bunch of other ones. But but do you remember Charlie's those? Angels. Yeah, like that that trend in the late 90s, early 2000s of taking, you know, 70s, 80s properties and rebooting them in wacky version. Brady, but very Brady. Uh, very Brady movie is a great example. And so I kind of want it to go just a, a hair further into that realm that would be my fix it's a small one okay we we tried to make it better can we make it weirder so my make it weird is before covid my wife and i went to see the amazing acro cats which if you're unfamiliar with the amazing acro cats i have a t-shirt we have swag i have a t-shirt uh we have a we had a calendar uh pins we we raided the swag table um, it's a woman who travels across the country with uh, her assistants and her like 10, 12, 15, maybe trained cats. And she like, she raises them. It's like, they're not like all living in cages all the time. You know, it's not inhumane, but they're all trained and they're like, it's really easy to train a cat. I've never, we've never succeeded, but the whole show, it's like a 45 minute show and the cats Half the fun of it is like the cats are literally running around the audience because they're like, they're trained, but they're not really that trained. <laughs> they're they're trained, but they're also cats. Yeah. But then they like get up on these like instruments and they're like pounding on the little instruments and stuff. And the climax of the show is they have like a six piece cat band where they just like bang on instruments for a minute and a half do you want this movie to be a crossover with the cats movie oh i didn't want that but now i do but my (laughs) mine was like i would literally watch an hour and a half of josie the pussycats if it were literally actual cats i would watch that also (laughs) like hulu has hulu has i don't know why i'm getting so giddy about this hulu has like puppy party shows and like kitty party shows where it's like hey mm-hmm. we put a lot of costumes on some puppies and some kitties and it's new year's eve and they're walking around in a room with balloons and fake champagne and it's just got don't they do that for the for the um, the super bowl they have the puppy they bowl? do the puppy bowl and stuff but this is like literally just footage of cats and dogs just like hanging out in a room set to like calming music and i'm like i would watch like josie and the pussycats if it were literally just cats use the same music but the whole cast is just cats, like actual cats. I would watch this. 100%. I would also see the version where it is everyone is a cat with like the weird, creepy mm-hmm. cats CGI. I would also watch that. So either one of those, we'll call those, might make it weird.
absolutely I would watch those. Mine feels kind of puny now, but I think this could be more heisty. Oh. Like, cause, cause like when they like discover the, the conspiracy and they like, they don't like really do anything. Like they try to confront them and then Fiona is the one who smashes the panel even. Mm -hmm. Like I want them to hack into a mainframe or try to, you know, they have to recruit people to help them. Like I want this to get stupid, goofy, heisty. Yeah. Because that would just be fun. Even if it was just them trying to tell a bunch of different people and everyone's like – no, I'm I'm a free person with free will. I just happen to like orange right now. You know, like it was mm-hmm. just it would just be really funny if it got you know like even you know Melody tries to build a little Lego robot to get <laughs> you know like just the stupid heisty stuff. Mm-hmm, that is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is what I want to make this movie. And the late '90s, early 2000s were a good time for like heist properties. Mm-hmm. So you've got like the Ocean's Eleven. You've got like obviously the like. James Bond kind of rebooted around the late 90s. And the Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. Entrapment. Ton of yeah. that stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right. We did it. What did we learn from this movie? Um, I learned that, like, <laughs> I kind of miss late 90s, early 2000s aesthetic. <laughs> I don't know. I Here's was getting very nostalgic it's watching back. it. It's back. I know. It's back. There's all this, like, how to dress Y2K. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Yeah, but, this is a very Y2K movie. I mean, I'm not the one that that is being pitched to now anyway, but yeah, I learned, I mean, kind of the same, but not really. I loved that. I, I learned that I, I love goofy movies. Yeah. It's not something that I had forgotten, but I, I remembered. Yeah. Next week, we'll be talking about Joyful Noise. You can find our show notes at theincomparable.com slash chickflickfix. We're chickflickfix on Twitter and Instagram. Give us a rating and a review. Do that kind of thing. Also, you really like Julia. You want to be her friend. You want to send her flowers. Bye. (laughs) We'll be back next week. Say goodbye, AJ. Goodbye, AJ. (laughs) 